y'all as nervous about this as I am? Probably not. God created us in his image, a lover of music, a lover of song. Have you ever thought about how closely our ears are tied with our emotions? Guys, think about it. How many of you will turn your head when you hear the rumbling sound of a big V8 engine take off? Okay? That sound represents power, does it not? When you hear that. And girls, ladies, y'all aren't exempt from this, okay? Because did you know that there was a guy, a company that invented a silent vacuum cleaner, okay? It was quiet. Wouldn't wake up the kids. Wouldn't wipe up the babies. Was as powerful as any vacuum cleaner on the market. The guy went broke. You know why? Nobody would buy it because the ladies assumed that since it was quiet, it couldn't be powerful, okay? So sound music God created for that to get to our emotions. And I think that's why we like songs so much. And Joyce told me that to be successful, I had 20 minutes. So I've got my clock. When God created nature, he created it noisy. Have you ever been outside on a summer night or a spring night after a nice rain and you hear how loud the frogs are and how beautiful that song is? Sit down on a quiet evening and listen to the crickets chirping. We, we have the birds that sing around us, and, and, and it's so awesome to listen to them sing. And we have the cicadas. Um, and when I was growing up, we called those jar flies. But uh, the sound of summer to me is when they just echo in song. Um, growing up, you know, I remember my first night at Green Valley Bible Camp was my first exposure to a whippoorwill. And I didn't sleep that night because the whippoorwill was quite... Uh, quite vocal and uh, you know I listened uh, when I was a kid we lived out in the country and listened to the bob white quail you know I can't do it very good but listen to the bob white and, and all those sounds in nature God created those and, and I think also he created in us a song there is a song in our heart and, and, and songs that we sing have such an emotional tie to us so that's kind of where uh, the idea came for this, this uh, series of lessons when, uh, when I talked to uh, Chris said that I could have uh, four weeks, and I said, okay, what am I going to talk about? Uh, Barry had taken you from the dark abyss all the way to the uh, glories of heaven, and I thought, where do you go from there? And, and so um, I, I thought of Revelation 14.3, and it said they had a new song before the throne. And so uh, that's where I was inspired. And in my inspiration, I had a song picked out. And guess what? That song's not in the songbook anymore. That's okay. I had another plan. I had another thought, another. And that song wasn't in there either. And so I ended up uh, with this song. And and so it's kind of a, a default song, I guess you would say. But it was a song that has a lot of emotional ties to me because it was one of the first songs that I got to sing the bass part on. We started, or I don't know, I remember singing it about the time, you know, puberty came along. And that first could sing that low voice. 
and, and I got to sing, and we'd sing the song, and I could sing the low part, and Life's Evening Sun, and, and I loved it, you know, and so I always had an emotional attachment to this song. Um, the name of the song, A Beautiful Life, was written by a man named William H. Golden. And he may be one of the few people to get his own name in his own song. He was actually born, born with the last name of Goldine, um, but born in, 19, or in 1834, or 1878, I'm sorry, in Mississippi. And there's not any real um, thing that says why he became uh, from Golding to Golden. But it makes a lot better sound in the song than saying, you know, each day I'll do a Golding deed. So, uh, so his, his name is William H. Golden, and he's not the Oak Ridge Boys guy either. Um, he wrote A Beautiful Life in 1918, strangely enough, while he was in the state penitentiary. He served eight years in the penitentiary. He also wrote, uh, during that time, a song that we sing uh, sometimes, To Canaan's Land, I'm On My Way. And so I think it makes a difference if we think of this song and think about this was written by a guy in prison, okay? And, and so uh, I, I think that gives us a little different perspective on it. Also understand that um, it is believed that the only offspring that uh, William Golden had uh, died at a very young age. And that may bring some of his, um, when he talks about life's evening sun, is sinking low, he probably had in his heart the understanding of how short life could be because he had to uh, deal with the loss of a child. And he died uh, tragically in an, in an accident, a traffic accident, in 1934. Um, but I think it's neat that we have a guy in prison and he's singing a song about helping others about doing something for other people. And, and I think that that makes it look uh, even more brilliant um, and also how short life can be. The inspiration for the song is the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, and I think that the author, Golden, does a great job of showing maybe the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach us in the, in the uh, Good Samaritan. And I think one of the things that he points out is that to be a good Samaritan, we have to choose to be a good Samaritan, okay? We have to look for those opportunities to be helpful. Um, and I think one of the things as we look at the, uh, the good Samaritan, as many times as I've heard that story, sometimes I forget about who that was directed to. And so I want to... Uh, to read the story of the Good Samaritan. It's in chapter, Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 25. And if this will work. There we go. I want to read it from the message. And I know that's probably not uh, a translation that a lot of us use all the time, but I like the way it worded this story. And I think it kind of makes it sound more like a story in, in the way Jesus told us. Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, 
What do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, What is written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And he said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you'll live. But the guy was looking for a loophole. And he asked, well, just how would you define a neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling the story. So we're looking to see the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is telling to illustrate a point to the religious leader. And here's the story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. And then a Levite, a religious man, showed up. And he also avoided the injured man. But a Samaritan traveling the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. And he gave him first aid. And he disinfected and bandaged his wounds. And then he lifted him onto his donkey, he led him to an inn, and he made him comfortable. In the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. And then Jesus said, Which do you think? What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to that man? Attacked by the robbers. The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. And Jesus said, go and do the same. The expert in the law was seeking not only a way to trap Jesus, but as the scripture here said, he was looking for a loophole. You see how you define neighbor defines your responsibility in this situation. You see, if you can say your neighbor is the guy that lives very next door to you, he's the only one you got to help out. But what Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a definition of neighbor. You tell me who was being the neighbor. And I think that if you take that and look at this song and look at the things that we, we read about in this song, sung about in this song, you'll see how golden is, is uh, applying that. To the verses that we often omit and uh, they don't fall into the customary first, second, and fourth verse that we usually sing, um, I think present these lessons very well. And one of them we actually sang. Um, I was, Ron sang the song this morning, and, and Blake and I discussed whether it was religiously okay to sing the same song twice in one day, but we decided it would probably be okay. So, so we went ahead with it. And, uh, and, <laughs> I got to tell you this, too. This is a sidebar. Uh, I really enjoyed the lesson that, that um, Chris gave today because he talked about how those connections are. And the very first song that Ron sung uh, today, Walking in Sunlight, Chris and I had talked about Wednesday. I grew up with a guy, some of you may have heard of him, named Randy Harris. Randy is a... a gospel speaker, a teacher, an author, 
Uh, he's a really cool guy, but he was just somebody that I grew up with in Bentonville. I knew him and his brother Rob. Um, I, his mom was one of my uh, teachers, Bible school teachers. Uh, his dad was an elder in the church there at Bentonville. So I grew up with him. And I was telling about the story, how songs have emotional impact. When I was in junior high, the high school age kids that Randy was a part of went on a float trip down the Oak River. And while they were on the float trip, um, it was a hot, sunny day, and most of the guys had taken their shirts off. Well, Randy was a very fair-skinned guy, and his parents were also pretty conservative, so Randy didn't take his shirt off, and he wore cutoffs. He always wore cutoffs that were cut off just a little uh, below the knees. And so everybody that went on this trip except Randy was sunburned bad, okay? Randy led singing that Sunday morning. The very first song he sang was this one, and every song had something to do with heavenly sunlight, walking in sunlight, something to do with sunlight. (laughs) So (laughs) that kind of connection, that family connection uh, came back to me there. Um, but a couple of the verses that, that, uh, that I think have a special impact. One of them is the only life that will endure is one that's kind and good and pure. And so for God, I will take my stand. Each day I'll lend a helping hand. I think so uh, powerful when you again think of this coming from a man sitting in the state penitentiary in the 1900s. Okay, I don't think they had it quite as well off as they have in the penitentiaries that we have today. Um, and so I, I think that verse has a lot of meaning. The next verse, I'll, ta- I'll help someone in time of need. I'll journey on with rapid speed. I'll help the sick and poor and weak and words of kindness to them speak. Such an example in this song of being a good Samaritan, something that we can all do. We can all help those that are poor. We can help those that are weak. We can help those that need it. The thing that we have to do is be willing to look for those people. I hope that that uh, tonight that, that something I said will, will help us benefit by looking at this song in a little bit different light, a little bit different perspective. Um, since, as Paul Harvey would say, you now know the rest of the story. Um, next week, we are going to be looking at the song Nothing But the Blood. And what I'm going to hope that we can do is we're going to go back and try to look at the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross from a perspective of a Jewish person living at that time because I think their idea of sacrifice and the reason that sacrifices are as they are something that we probably don't understand in 21st century America and so um, just to give you a little prelude um, that's what we'll be looking at for next week Anytime we come together like this, we like to take the opportunity to uh, give someone the opportunity to uh, respond for any reason. Also, if you have uh, not had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, 
Um, I think that is in room 100, is that right? <laughs> and uh, feel free to go back there. But if you have a need that, that we can meet, uh, a prayer, um, or if you uh, like to put on uh, Jesus and baptism, we want to be uh, giving you that opportunity. Uh, and if you would come now, while together we stand and while we sing.